Hey, Spooky Mamas. Thanks for joining in today. I hope you guys are fucking thriving. What has been up with you guys? Let me know. So today we're jumping into the shoe fetish slayer, Jerome Brodus, and just trigger warning. There is conversation of rape and murder. So if this is an issue for you, I completely understand. You do not have to listen. But Jerome Brodus did go by the name of Jerry as an adult, so that's how I'll refer to him. Jerry Brodus was born January 31st, 1939 in Webster, South Dakota. His parents were Henry and Eileen Brodus. Now, at the time of Eileen's pregnancy, she was not thrilled about this. She already had one son named Larry, who she absolutely adored. She was not wanting another child. And of course, it's been in the 30s. She could not run and go get her ultrasound to see what she was expecting. So she did come to terms during her pregnancy, and she's like, you know what? I want a daughter. So the date of delivery, when she she seen she had another son, she was deeply, deeply upset by this. Unfortunately, this was a lifelong decision for Eileen to be disappointed with her son. Now, I will say this. We will feel sad for the child. We will not have any ounce of sympathy for this fucker as an adult. Eileen was overbearing and not so loving toward Jerry growing up. She would belittle him, call him names, and let him know she did not want him. She forced him to wear girls' clothing and would humiliate him at home. Now, by all accounts, she adored and was loving and nurturing and just such a warm mother to Larry. So we already have two very different dynamics in the household. And during any of my research, i never seen anything about dad. I don't know if dad partook in any of the abuse. I don't know if he ever jumped in and tried to stop it. I didn't see anything where he abandoned the family or a divorce. So I do not know what dad's role in this was. When Jerry was just five, he was at the local junkyard and found a pair of high heels that were thrown out. He took the high heels home and he wanted to wear them. Mom seen this and was livid. She beat him and burnt the high heels. So at this point, something is triggering inside Jerry. And he later admits at this incident is what triggered that shoe fetish. He attempted to steal his first grade teacher's shoes. And then at six and seven, he started breaking into the neighbor's homes and he would steal shoes and panties. So it's escalating at such a young age. Now, during his early childhood, the family did move around before finally settling a few years after in Salem, Oregon. Now, while Jerry was a teenager, he started to take his actions to a very darker place. He started having fantasies with women that were sinister and violent in nature. He started to stalk some of the local girls he knew. And he waited for the perfect opportunity where he could knock them unconscious and choke them. And this is where he would steal their shoes. At the young age of 17, he kidnapped and beat a woman. He held her at knife point and forced her to get naked so he could take photographs of her. Thankfully, she reported him to the authorities and he had to spend nine months at Oregon State Hospital Psychiatric Ward. Now, somehow he was still able to attend high school during the day and then report back to the psychiatric ward when he was done. While he was in the psychiatric ward during this nine-month stay, he was diagnosed with schizophrenia, 
And despite all of this, he graduated high school in 1957. And after he graduated, he became a tradesman. He became an electronic technician. In 1961, he married a 17-year-old girl named Darcy, and they lived in the suburbs of Salem. Now, keep this in mind, she was 17, he was in his early 20s. Now, during their marriage, they welcomed a daughter in 1962 and a son in 1967. He was very abusive to Darcy. He forced her to wear high heels every day. She could not leave the house without his permission. She did not have her own money. And she was not allowed to go into the attic, basement, or garage in her own home. He had installed an intercom system that she had to access him. That's how, if he was in these rooms and she needed him, she had to go over this system. Now, during the mid-60s, he began to experience migraines and blackouts. And to relieve these migraines and blackouts, he told his wife he would go out at night for a walk. While he was out for a walk... He would just prowl the neighborhood. He would break into homes and steal shoes and panties again. Now, May 1967, he seen a woman in town and liked her shoes. He followed her home and waited till nighttime. He waited till she was asleep in her own bed and he broke in. He beat her and choked her till she was unconscious. He raped her and stole her shoes. Now, he was not connected to this crime until years later. So, we see it escalating very quickly. January 26, 1968, Linda Slauson, who was 19 years old, was selling encyclopedias. She went from door to door and sold those encyclopedias. So, she knocked on the Brodus store and Jerry opened the door. He invited her in and acted as if he was interested He told her to follow him to the garage and they would talk. Once they were in the garage, he hit her in the head with a piece of wood and strangled her. He dressed her body in high heels and clothes he had stole from the neighbors. He cut off one of her breasts and stored it in his deep freezer. He also cut off one of her feet and kept it into the deep freezer as well. He did this while his wife and two small children were in the home. After this, he realized what he had done And he couldn't keep the body in the garage, so he threw her body into the Williamette River. May of 1968, Jerry was dressed in women's clothing when he came looking for his next victim. He came across 19-year-old Karen Sprinker. He held her at gunpoint and kidnapped her. He took her back to his home where he took her to the garage. He forced her to dress in panties while he took photographs. Once he was done taking pictures, he raped and strangled her and then hung her from a pulley in the garage. After her death, he had assaulted her body multiple times post-mortem. He cut off one of her breasts and kept it as a trophy. He left her car at an abandoned gas station between Salem and Albany, Oregon, and then he tied her body to a piece of iron and threw the body in the Leomette River. November 26, 1968, Jan Susan Whitney was 23 years old. Her car had broke down, and she was standing on the side of the road. He stopped by. He was just acting like such a nice man. He he gave her a ride and said he would take her somewhere to use a phone. That way, she could call for somebody to come get her car and get her help. 
As soon as Jan got in the car, he strangled her with a leather belt. He took her body to his home. He stored her body in the garage for several days. He, of course, changed her body into panties and took photographs. He assaulted her body multiple times post-mortem and cut off one of her breasts. After several days of decomposition, he tied her body to a piece of iron and threw it in the Willamette River. April 21st, 1969, he attempted to kidnap a 24-year-old Sharon Wood from a parking garage. She was able to fight him and get away. The next day, April 22nd, 1969, he attempted to strangle and kidnap 15-year-old Gloria Smith. She managed to fight him and get away. The next day, so this was in a three-day span, April 23rd, 1969, he kidnapped 22-year-old Linda Saley. He, of course, took her to his garage where he strangled her, took photographs. He assaulted her body pre- and post-mortem. He tied her body to a car transmission with a nylon cord and threw the body in the Williamette River after several days. Now, 15-year-old Gloria Smith went to the police to report her almost abduction, and she was able to give a very detailed description of Brodus. Now, during this 15-month span of his actions, the authorities were investigating these missing women. They just didn't have a lot of tips to go on at the time. They had the tips of some of the houses being broken in, you know, shoes and panties are missing, but they had no suspect. Now, after Gloria went and gave the description, they finally was able to have this picture. May 18th, 1969, a call with a tip came in. A student who attended Oregon State University had went on a date with this man. He had asked her out multiple times, and she finally gave in. This man was Jerry Brodus. On their first date, she mentioned she was very off-put when he brought up that a body was found in the local river, and perhaps he would take her to that same river and strangle her there. She was very, very creeped out by this, as she should have been. The authorities asked her to call him and ask him for a second date. Jerry Brodus was more than willing to go on a second date with her. So June 3rd, 1969, he was arrested. Now, on May the 10th of 1969, before his arrest, Linda Saley's body was found in the Longtime River. May the 12th of 1969, Karen Sprinker's body was found in the Longtime River. July 27th, 1969, Jan Whitney's body is found in the Williamette River. Unfortunately, Linda Slauson, his first victim, her body was never found and has still been, not been found to this day. Now, we see this monster that he is, so I just want to tell you how he was described by some. After he was arrested, it was a shock to some in the community. They did not know he could be anywhere near this. He was described as a family man who was devoted to his family, who neither drank nor smoked, and rarely cursed, if ever. Once arrested, Jerry confessed to the murders. He confessed to everything. And there really wasn't an actual motive besides his own obsessions. His home was searched and the authorities found photographs, clothing, body parts, and just trophies he kept from his victims. 
During the trial, Darcy was being investigated as well. She was arrested and tried as an accomplice during this. However, there was no proof Darcy knew of any of the actions her husband was carrying out. And she was very manipulated. He had complete control over her. They really don't think she had any knowledge after the investigation. After the charges were dropped against Darcy, she divorced Jerry, which, thank God, she changed her and the kid's name and moved away. So that is all we know of Darcy and the kids at this point. On June, on June 28, 1969, Jerry pled guilty to three counts of murder and was sentenced to three consecutive life sentences to be served at Oregon State Penitentiary. The damning evidence the court had was of his own accord. The photographs was the smoking pistol. Unfortunately, he was never tried for the murder of Linda Slauson due to never the body being found. He was also a dick in prison. If we ever thought maybe he had remorse after some time in prison, don't worry your heads. He did not. He wrote letters to women's shoes catalogs and explained to him he was in prison. He had a porn addiction, and to get over this porn addiction, he wanted the shoe magazines. And, of course, they obliged. He was a he was a dick. And during his stay in prison, he filed many appeals, but they were never they were they were never deemed. In fact, the board got tired of all of his shenanigans in 1995. They informed him they would never release him. However, inmates in jail with Jerry didn't care for him much. He was beaten multiple times and he was sexually assaulted at one point and had to be treated medically for this. He died in prison March 28, 2006. He fought liver cancer and did not win, thank God. He was 67 years old. Now, his victims, Linda Slauson. She was 19 years old. She was the fourth of six children to Mildred and Wilbur Slauson. She was adored by her family and had the kindest face. She was All four of these women are beautiful. If you see their pictures, they were beautiful women. Jan Whitney was described as a pretty girl sitting at 5'7". She was trusting, maybe a little too naive, because she did occasionally pick up a hitchhikers and give them rides. You know, that just shows she was a great person. That's all I can take from that. That showed that she was a kind human. She was almost done with getting a degree from the University of Oregon. Karen Sprinker, she was a 19-year-old freshman at Oregon State University, and I couldn't find anything on his last victim, Linda Saley. But these four beautiful women died because of just this piece of shit monster who did not care about anybody but himself. So I hope these four women found peace, and that is our story of the shoe fetish slayer. And, you know, I hope he is being beaten and raped every day in hell. That's all I can say. So I hope you guys have a great day. Excuse me for being tongue-tied. And again, I hope you guys are fucking thriving. Follow me on Instagram at Spooky Mama Podcast, Twitter, Spooky Mama Podcast. And hit me up, DM me, email me, whatever you want. Would love to hear from you guys. Happy 4th. Bye. Stay spooky, babies.